Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar swords and skellies. I'm your host, Lud Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Lucky Evie, Striker, Jordan, and Math Machine. Today is our 53rd episode, and it's our first year anniversary. As of today, we have been doing this for over 52 weeks, or 52 episodes, and it's been a lot of fun so far, and we hope to keep on making good episodes for you. Oh, Yeah. Yep, so to celebrate, we're going to be discussing the 1975 movie Super Inframan. So, let's get things things started. So, shows like uh, Ultraman and Kamen Rider were huge, huge hits uh, around the world, but especially in Asia, and especially, especially in Hong Kong. Now, the Shaw Brothers Studio was one of the biggest studios in Hong Kong at the time, and to capitalize on this popularity, they decided to make their own version of a hero like Ultraman or Kamen Rider. And what we got was the what we got was a Super Inframan, which is both one of the most unusual and one of the most fun movies that I have ever seen. It it is it is hard to to to, to, to there excited there. It is so hard to describe just how much fun this movie is. We will try. We will try. But this is a movie you definitely have got to see for yourself if you have not seen this movie already. Well, so, yeah, that's definitely. Yep. Let's so do the movie it's, yep. The movie itself starts with uh, several shots from later on in the movie of Inframan leaping in the air before it throws the uh, opening credits. They play over several shots of computer visual effects that... For 1975, probably seemed really futuristic. And at the end of the credits, we see the swirling effects uh, form to create a model of uh, Inframan himself. The movie proper begins with a, group, with a group of children driving along on a school trip before the ground starts to shake. A dragon then flies overhead and slams into the ground before disappearing, which in turn causes like an earthquake to happen as the teacher gets all the children out of the bus, but the driver is still stuck inside as the bus uh, goes over the cliff. We then cut to a scene of a city in flames as people are running for their lives, and it's very similar to something that you'd find in, like, kaiju movies and that. It makes me wonder if this is, like, stock footage from some other kind of film, and they put it in this one. Yeah, it kind of also reminds me of uh, Reign of Fire and just, like, uh, general, like, uh, suburban fantasy, as it were. Like, everyday occurrences, but then all of a sudden a dragon just lands in the frickin' street, just, like... (laughs) <laughs> exactly uh, exactly that, that's another good analogy to make right there so yeah uh, after that we then uh cut to uh, a government facility as the scientist exits a car while being hounded by reporters and then uh he goes inside the uh, government facility which to, to me looks a lot more like something you'd find in james bond like uh like blofeld's volcano lair than like an actual scientific institute but one thing i will say about this movie the set design is phenomenal. You know, it really makes these places seem so colorful and so alive in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'll bet. It, it yep. kind of does look a little colorful, which is part of the course for some of the 70s stuff. Yeah, and again, we'll talk a lot more about how, how just unusual this movie can get later on. But uh, right now, it's probably the most sedate we get of it. So enjoy it while it lasts. So uh, Chen and Zhu, uh, two workers... 
They notice that the communications are out of order as Professor Liu arrives. And it turns out that their communication system is knocked out of order from a mysterious wave while uh, they try to fix this. We get a lot of footage of computers basically beeping and printing out papers, which probably is padding. But it also is kind of cool just to see, like, oh, that's how computers worked back then. You know, the whole real, the real stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, prof the professor claims that the wave uh, comes from underground, and then it's told about the earthquake at Mount Devil that we saw uh, earlier on in the movie. He claims yeah. that the mountain is a volcano that has been dormant for over 2,000 years. Another earthquake uh, strikes a seismology lab, and then uh, Professor Liu tells Chen to call the seismology center to find out where the earthquake came from while he decides to analyze Mount Devil. And after a countdown from 10, they watch Mount Devil and the rocks begin to crumble to reveal a set of like two giant stone, I guess you'd call them entrances. It, it's kind of hard to describe. One is shaped like a dragon's head and the other is shaped like a skull. Mm, and that, yeah. And then, oh. yeah. Yeah. And then we get uh, probably the reason we're doing this, uh, this uh, movie. Uh, the team gets a signal on their view screen as they see the uh, dragon from before. And it turns out this dragon is a dragoness. She has yep. a really uh, unique design. She has the green scales and the red eyes with the mouth with the mouth being perpetually open. It's not as distracting as it was, say, like in Lost in Space with Gundamark. It's here, you kinda of have to you kinda of have to take it that it's a Sentai type of production. So it's really not the silliest type of monster out there. And I also like how uh, the horns look on her in particular. It really gives her a uh, quite a demonic look in that but then uh she shifts into a different form with a humanoid face that we see more throughout this film now she's not completely human because one thing that's interesting is even though she's a dragoness with a somewhat human uh appearance she still is a dragoness because her helmet basically are the dragon horns and it looks like her chest and torso are somewhat scaly at least uh, from the scenes I've, i saw so it's very, very interesting how they mixed mm. uh, the dragoness and the human designs. And don't worry, this is not the last we'll see of the uh, full-on dragoness form of her. We get a really interesting uh, part with that in a little bit. Yep. But it's here that uh, she claims that her name, which is different depending on what version you watch, uh, some dubs call her uh, Demon Princess Ezelbub, uh, based on, of course, Beelzebub. <laughs> the version I saw uh, on uh, archive.org, it came with a, it was in the original Chinese with the subtitles. Her name here is called, I kid you not, Princess Dragon Mom. I know. Princess Dragon Mom. Yeah. Mutant drill won't give me back my Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. This up. I or watching this sub, I actually thought at some points this was a shit post. Yeah, yeah, the the, the sub gets very, very weird at some points, and we'll get to uh, more of the liberties that the uh, subtitlers took in uh, actually trying to translate this movie. But if that is her name, at I don't know if that's supposed to be her real name or if Demon Princess Eselbub is her name. I'm not really sure. So, but for uh. But basically, in brevity's sake, we're going to call her uh, Princess Dragon Mom throughout this uh, review. Yeah, Princess uh, Dragon Mom. Well, this is more fun Mom. to say. It is a lot more fun to say. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so basically, all of the disasters that happened before were of her doing, and she demands their immediate surrender. She includes her message as a professor. Um, the professor basically tells Chen to monitor where she is. 
We then cut to a burning building where we see one of the government scientists enter the building to save a baby. The scientist saves the child before riding off onto a uh, motorcycle. We then cut to a government meeting, and like I say, it comes completely out of nowhere. This feels like they put it in, oh, we need some more action in this movie, even though this movie is very, very action-packed already. Oh, but I guess yeah. we need just a little bit more of that uh, action sequence there. But, yeah, it's here we cut back to a government meeting as one of the ministers claims these attacks have happened all over the world and has destroyed buildings like oil refineries and schools and whatnot. One thing that's kind of unintentionally comical here is that the minister says it is po- it is possible that the Earth has been invaded, as Princess Dragon Mom claims, when she already told them that, you know, her plans is to invade the Earth. You know, it's like, you know, you already know about this. Yeah, like, it's like Speed Racer, except... <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah, it's... Uh, exactly. I don't think that we're conveying quite well enough is that especially in the early parts, this movie is edited very weirdly. Like, it just, okay, here's the thing that happens, and then literally cut. No transition, no, okay, let's join in this section, no nothing. Just like, oh, hey, here's this thing, and then completely unrelated. Exactly, exactly. It does get like that, especially in the early parts. It feels like this movie was meant to be longer than, like, uh, 88 minutes, but I feel like what happens is, 82 minutes, forgive me, but what happens is, like, they cut it down somewhat. Like, Somewhere they took some bits of a, uh, I guess, more character development or something out because that's why the beginning of this movie feels very rushed in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'll I bet. got the vibe that this was intended to be a series, and they just had like four or five episodes made, and then they just spliced it together into this movie. That could got- very well be. That that is actually a good point there. This could have been like a an attempt at like a mini series, like an Inframan series, that it didn't do well, so they just decided to package it as a movie. But <laughs> yeah, I, I get- can definitely see that. See, uh, the professor claims that Princess Dragon Mom comes from a race of humans that mo- that uh, went underground during the Ice Age and has now come out to seek their their revenge. Sadly, we do not get to see Princess Dragon Mom fight off Sid, Manny, or Diego. Missed opportunity right there. Nice. I know, had to do it. But the thing that's interesting is that it's they claim that Princess Dragon Mom comes from a race of humans, but I'm not really sure how accurate that is because the dragonist form is the one since she takes more, she has more characteristics of, and she really just seems more comfortable in. So I don't know if like that the them claiming that she's from a race of humans that if that was like a mistranslation of the subtitles or not. I'm thinking it was a mistranslation because then for the rest of the movie, they keep referring to them as mutants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, the professor is uh, then put in charge and he demands that they start Plan BDX. And again, like uh, you said, Matt, uh, there's another cut. As we cut to Princess Dragon Mom's lair, we see her in her dragonist form flying around and performing acrobatics and before cutting back to her human form. And one thing I will say uh, right now, and I'll definitely talk more about this later on in the episode, the suit work in this movie and like the actual like the uh, abilities that these guys in the suits do are amazing. They, these fight yep. scenes, like when we get to them, they, they, are, they are the best part of the movie. I mean, the Shaw Brothers, uh, they made a lot of uh, a Kung Fu movies, and you can tell why. They had a real knack for knowing... Uh, knowing basically how to do actual fight choreography, because this is honestly some of the best fight choreography you will see is in uh, Inframan. 
Mm. Also, I know that this came out 20 years later, but uh, from this point on, Princess Dragon Maw is really pulling off that Rita Repulsa energy. Yeah, 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 yeah she, she is. I mean, it makes you wonder if, like, Super Sentai took from, mm. took from her in a way. It very well could have. She was doing so well in that style, I actually, at some point, was expecting her to say something like, Magic Wand, make my monster grow! Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so unbearable. <laughs> uh, but yeah, speaking of that, we uh, she then demands that her group of mutants arrive. All of her servants are basically uh, skeleton men, with her second-in-command being a humanoid woman named Witch Eye. And then we hey. get to see all of the various uh, monsters show up. Who They all look very cool and very silly at the same time. And... My favorite is a tie between a plant monster, who is a plant-like monster with a skull face, and the two robots with uh, mace arms that have uh, giant springs attached. Like I say, they, they look so silly, but it's like, man, I want action figures of that one, and that one, and that one. Want that one, and that one, and that one. <laughs> movie did its job. Sold toys. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they made nice. Inframan toys. That's the thing that's interesting. We'll talk more about that later. But uh, Inframan was a success. I don't know if it ever had like a franchise or any sort of toys in that. This is but one anyway, of those things I say really should have sold toys. Oh, it should have. It should have. Oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's so, like, uh, <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, Princess Dragon Mom then orders all of the uh, mutants to go out and show the humans their might in order to conquer the Earth. We then come back to the research lab as Professor Liu gives instruction to all the other scientists. He tells one of the scientists, uh, Ray Ma, to follow him. And it's mm. here when we get to the uh, actual part where they're going deeper into the research facility. I really was reminded of the Italian movie uh, Danger Diabolic with its set design. It has that Danger same sort of yep. yeah. It has that same sort of like a comic book yet 1960s mod vibe about it. And this came out in 1975, but it. Uh, it very much evokes, I think, that sort of 60s, like, mod vibe to it. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yep. Then uh, Professor Liu reveals the Inframan project and how it works that a man will, will be given enhanced DNA and implanted with sophisticated technology. He's going to wear a body armor that can fight against all the elements and has advanced uh, weaponry put in it. And, like I say, the Inframan is kind of a ripoff of Ultraman slash Kamen Rider, but it's fun in its own right. It's a the, the suit design in general is a lot of fun, and we get to see it in action quite a bit. So uh, mm. Rayma asks to become the Inframan, but the professor warns him he may die. And despite this, uh, Rayma is ready. Excuse me. His body is ready. Yeah. It's just, My body <laughs> is ready. <laughs> yeah. So the professor injects Rayma with the various chemicals and hooks him up to wire. Uh, there's a little bit of padding in this montage. I see the professor continuing to work for about like a, a minute and a half, two minutes. And then we uh, cut back to Princess Dragon Mom's base as we slowly pan through it. We get some more of the really cool set design and even just the uh, just the, like aesthetics. Like I love that her flag is a stylized version of her dragoness form standing on top of a giant sculpt. That That is fun, you know? That <laughs> They didn't have to put in like a, a flag design for what uh, it would look like, but I'm glad they did. It's one of those little details that, you know, you're really happy to see they thought that far. Yeah, I'll bet. But yep, uh, she tells them about, she basically uh, tells Witch Eye to send out the mutants, even though she already did that before. 
Kind of, again, a weird sort of a continuity thing there. Yeah. A shot of all the continuity. monsters. <laughs> shot of all the monsters cheering. It's so funny. It's like they're all part of like a sports team or something. Rawr, rawr, <laughs> the, the Quiznack Gorgonauts or something like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, they absolutely did have that soccer hooligan energy going. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. One of the monsters uh, demands to go first, but Princess Dragon Mom warns him of their powerful adversary, which kind of, again, is a weird continuity error. I'm not saying it's a plot hole, but it could be one because Inframan technically doesn't exist yet, and yet she's warning them about him, which, again, might be something with the subtitles that they mentioned. They didn't mean to mention, like, adversary as Inframan directly, but that was the intent. They may have edited this out of order. That, it very well could be. Yeah. It very, very well could have been. But uh, Princess Dragmon decides to set out Monster Plant, who is the aforementioned plant with skull face, and Mutant Drill, who basically looks like a giant rock monster, but he has drill hands. And the way they get into her lair is by teleportation, but the effect is really, really cool because it's something that, again, a detail they didn't have to put in is that it's visible in the background and the foreground at the same time. You see the other monsters reacting to these two monsters being teleported out of the area they're in and into the uh, main foyer of uh, Princess Dragon Mom's lair. Again, it's something that really shouldn't be so impressive, but it really, really is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it is. So, uh... Also, uh, we're going to have a lot more of uh, this guy, so I just want to say this right now. Monster Plant sounds almost exactly like Donald Duck. Oh, yeah. He really has a kind of like, you know, voice. He also kind of sounds a bit like uh, those stock uh, cat yeah, yeah, That too, that too. So anyway, she shows... Uh, she shows a mutant drill and monster plant, uh, the professor, and she tells them that they shouldn't attack above ground, and then she orders them to attack separately. And it's here where we get another moment that really just made me laugh. I actually had to pause the movie and then uh, <laughs> rewind it after this part, because how they leave the base, you think that, oh, they're going to teleport, or, oh, they're going to be in a puff of smoke or something like that, or, oh, they're going to fly, but no. They just walk out of the base so casually, like, oh yeah, it's lunch break, come on, let's go down the street. Yeah, it's like blue, these two work. ridiculous looking monsters just casually walking out and walking around. It, it is something that is so inherently ridiculous. It's just like, it's like they're, they're on lunch break or something, like, oh yeah, <laughs> let's go over here, okay, monster Only plant. in China! Yeah. <laughs> Hong Kong and China. Well, Hong Kong, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, we then cut to a zoo driving before Mutant Drill picks up his car and throws it to the ground, causing it to explode. We then, uh, he then picks up a zoo and uh, he carries him away. Monster Plant, meanwhile, he infiltrates the brace uh, really easily and he sinks to the ground. And again, a really cool special effect. And there is something funny about seeing this ridiculous looking plant monster wandering around these, uh, you know, ordinary looking hallways and that. But. He then uh, appears in the research lab with his giant vines basically goes in and smashes all the lab equipment. The scientists attempt to shoot his vines to no avail as he basically tries to attack them. And what we here uh, we have intercuts between uh, prof the Professor Liu continuing to make Inframan and Monster Plant attacking the scientists. 
none of the scientists, as far as we can tell, are actually killed by this, which is very interesting. Even though one of them is basically thrown against a panel and electrocuted, he actually shows up uh, later on in the scene just fine, so... Plot armor! Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, so basically the professor orders them to get the power on in a minute, or else uh, Rayma will die. One of the scientists attempts to uh, crawl over to the power, but he's grabbed by monster plants' vines. A group of scientists enter as one of them is using a buzzsaw to cut his vines and they turn on the power. And it's here where we get to see Inframan finally complete as we get to see the Inframan suit. And again, it very much is reminiscent of other types of suits of this genre, but it does have its own charm. I do like the color scheme, you know, the whole, you know, red, blue, and silver to it. It, it is cool. And yeah. Yeah, and I guess the filmmakers also thought it was really cool because when he rises out of bed, we get a triple zoom in on his face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, the whole uh, rising up but repeating shot, it's, it's so, like, uh, 60s slash 70s. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, Sentai. Thing. Uh, yeah, yeah it's definitely is like a like Sentai, yeah. So uh, Rayma feels he's all-powerful. Then he leaps out of bed and performs various flips, and he smashes metal pipes like they were nothing. And it's a shame. I looked up. I couldn't find who, if there were any stuntmen for this, or if it was Rayma's actor also doing the stunts. I think it is, because later on we get to see him fight by himself. And this guy is this guy is really, really, like, uh, athletic. or uh, You know, because just how this guy moves in that. And again, in a suit that... Probably looked pretty heavy. He moves so fluently in it. Fluently oh, in it, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does. Which is actually very impressive. Oh, hell yeah. Especially, again, for 75. And uh, uh, now if he is officially uh, declared the Super Inframan. And with his advanced uh, vision and hearing, he senses that plant monster attacks and he flies out of the building to do battle with him. And here's where, again, it seems like uh, the theory about this being a TV show might be right because... Everybody knows who Inframan is instantly. Like, as soon as he shows up, they're like, look, it's Inframan. It's like, well, he just got made. How do you know who he is? He didn't even tell you who he was. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, now we get to see uh, Inframan chopping down several of uh, plant monsters' giant vines. Then he uses uh, X-ray vision to see where he's hiding. After, yeah, uh, after he destroys one of the giant vines with his firebomb, Plant Monster shows up on the two do battle, and again, the hand-to-hand -hand combat in this movie, it's so much fun. It really is. This is the reason why you watch Inframan, is to see the actual fight scenes, and they, they, they are a blast. There are a lot more uh, fight sequences to come, because they knew uh, their specialty, and they stuck with it, because th these two were actual stuntmen, and fighting in really heavy, uh, cumbersome suits, and yet... It is some of the best combat you will see, I think, in any movie, to be honest. Like, I'm not saying it's as good as, like, you know, Bruce Lee movies. No. But it is really, really impressive, especially for 75. The Shaw brothers have a specialization in their films, and they were able to bring that to the this genre somehow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Oh. And... Yep, like I say, there is a lot more uh, fight sequences, and we'll talk about all of them because they're they all excellent. So what happens is Inframan basically kicks Plant Monster from the research lab into a forest, and they continue to do battle. And Plant Monster somehow knows uh, basically hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat, which, okay. Uh, 
But then he tries to cheat by using explosive spores. He then teleports all over before Inframan traps him with Firebomb. And then he basically kills him with his lasers, causing a plant monster to explode. Yeah, I just like traps yeah. him with flame. Then all of a sudden, it's just like yeah, and, and yeah, that's and he is completely destroyed. So then, uh, Zhu is brought to a uh, Princess Dragon Mom's lair, and the other monsters want revenge for Plant Monster's death. So apparently, they knew about this literally seconds after he exploded. You know, it's like oh, Plant Monster is dead. Like literally, right after he died, they somehow find out. But it yeah. turns out. It turns out that uh, Princess Dragon Mom decides to brainwash him into doing her bidding. They do this by, and I'm quoting the actual subtitles here, using his memory nerves and other nerves together, which, okay, that definitely feels like it was mistranslated from something, because exactly. that, that makes absolutely no sense. But then we actually, but then that, that, tundras again, sorry, but uh, that statement doesn't even make sense because which eye hypnotizes him with the eyes in her hands? So it's like, why do you even say that? Why couldn't you just have her say, you know, my associate witch eye will hypnotize you into doing our bidding or stuff like that? You know, oh, well, we but spent that, the money on this set, might as well use it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, mm -hmm. his eyes then start uh, glowing green. We then cut back to the research lab as Rayma wants to go to uh, Princess Dragon Mom's lair to rescue him. Uh, pr the professor tells him he's not ready to fight them all yet and he needs the Thunderbolt Fists. Sadly, we do not know if he needs the Pegasus Boots as well. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Zhu then returns to the research lab. He's visibly dazed as Rayma knows something is wrong right away. Uh, Princess Dragon Mom instructs him to get to uh, get her the blueprints for Inframan's design so she can find if he has any weaknesses. A guard uh, tries to stop Zhu, but he uses his uh, green vision, I guess, his uh, to stun the guard, and then he steals his keycard. Zhu then uh, sneaks around the lab before opening the safe, and he takes pictures of the blueprints. Uh, we then see another one of the scientists named uh, Lung shows up. He asks Zhu what he's doing before, again, we get another fight sequence, and this one feels a little more... Uh, randomly placed in the last one. Although, again, it is very, very impressive. The two uh, battle for a while. They get into a motorcycle uh, chase, and they resume fighting when a Zhu crashes uh, in the side of a mountain. And again, this is so well choreographed. Like, I am actually wouldn't be surprised if, like, Matrix didn't see at least some of this for, like, their fight sequences. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... Lung chases down a Zhu before the next monster appears, uh, creatively named, at least according to the subtitles, Spider Monster. He appears alongside the uh, Skeleton Men. Spider Monster declares that uh, Zhu be brought back to the lair before he starts fighting. And then a group of scientists show up, and they all just start fighting the monsters and fighting like the uh, Skeleton Men. And they do surprisingly well for, you know, not being Inframan and not having Inframan's powers. It's like a bunch of, you know, random people are fighting against uh, these demons, you know, these these mutant demons, and they hold their own. So how strong uh, is uh, Princess Dragon Mom's Skeleton Men anyway? We have no idea. <laughs> nope, we certainly don't. But Spider no. Monster traps one of the men in a web ball in a really neat effect. And it turns out that one of the scientists was uh, Rayma, and he transforms into Inframan uh, once more. He uh, frees Lung from the web before battling Spider-Monster. Uh, they battle for a while, and again, choreography really good, especially with the Spider-Monster suit, which looks kind of ridiculous. He kind of looks... 
I'm trying to, I'm trying to say uh, how I uh, how I could describe him. He kind of looks like the mascot of like an exterminator company, basically. Yeah, he kind of does actually. Yeah, yeah, like like think no, of like think, a, about a, it. think of like a, a bug extermination company, and that's kind of what this guy would look like. He'd be the mascot of it. But oh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> they battle for a while before a spider monster teleports away, and we get to see another monster appear. Now, the thing that's interesting, this monster has no name. It is never referred to by a name in the movie. The closest thing it has to a name, this is according to Wikipedia and uh, TV tropes, is Long Hair Monster. And it re- because it, uh, it resembles a, a demon with very long and stringy white hair. Yeah, I, I thought that too. Yeah. Yeah, so almost like it, a yokai, if you think about it. Yeah, very much very a much yokai. So. Very much so. He could be based on that as well, <laughs> come to think of it. Anyway, Honestly, Mon- I like the name that I gave it better. Uh, give me a second. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> okay, let me, let me find it really quick. Uh, no, that's okay. Where's the name? Where's the name? So, where's anyway, name? Uh, here it is. Harry Yeti Laser Banshee Boy. <laughs> yeah, that is a better name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Basically, what happens is he shoots lasers out of his, uh, mo- out of his uh, horn and his arms. He manages to knock Inframan into a river, but Inframan leaps out of it. He uses his sunbeam to knock the monster into a river, and then he uses uh, another one of his lasers, basically to cause long hair monster, or you know the name that Angron gave him. He causes him to explode. (laughs) And again, he was on screen for maybe two minutes, and yet it really is a memorable design. Yeah, laser, laser band. Yeah, uh, laser uh, yeti, laser yeti banshee boy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, then we get to see a spider monster show up, and he goes into giant <laughs> mode, and he becomes a uh, a kaiju. Now, sadly, this is the only kaiju we get in the movie. We do not get to see Princess Dragon Mom become a kaiju dragoness, although that would have been awesome. <laughs> the yeah, processing of him being a giant, it looks really good, especially for 1975. This looks better yeah. than like some of the Gamera movies and that. Maybe oh, not yeah. as good as like the Godzilla movies, but it looks better than a lot of other kaiju movies, especially those from Hong Kong. There's there's one called I think a War God that it is so poorly rendered in some parts. It really, really is. It looks like the the kaiju's are almost transparent at some point. So oh. you know, points to the Shaw brothers for actually managing to do like the processing really well done. Oh, so yeah. uh, he attempts to uh, step on Inframan before he turns his attention towards the scientist. And it's here we get another funny uh, part, unintentionally funny, because he, the Spider Monster is a giant at this one. He could easily defeat them, but he cuts down like a, a power line, and he slowly moves it towards one of the scientists in particular, which gives Inframan uh, all the time to become giant and causes them to fight. But it's like, you're, you're a giant, you know, 50-foot, you know, monster. Why don't you just step on them and it's over? Instead of, like, I'm going to slowly go after this guy with a really improbable weapon. And then honestly, uh, honestly, I... it's a bug, so I wouldn't exactly yeah. make it. Uh, so I wouldn't exactly label it as big brain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are you saying, Matt? Sorry. And then this part is actually why I compare Inframan to Ultraman and not Common Rider, but Jet Jaguar because he does do yeah. the gross yeah. kaiju size thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the fight sequence is a lot like other kaiju fights, complete with Inframan uh, tossing spider monster into a power plant that explodes. And again, for a studio that I don't think they did a lot of uh, kaiju work, uh, they did a really good job with this one. 
What happens yeah. is a spider monster shrinks down. And he tries to run away, but Inframan just uh, crushes him under his boot. Like a bug. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So Princess Dragon Mom is infuriated <clears throat> by this, and she sends Mutant Drill along with Zio to basically bomb the lab. And she decides to study Inframan for weaknesses, and she learns that he's powered by the sun. Now, you think this would come into play later on in the movie. And you also think it, uh, that you that it would uh, be a Sunny D reference, even though I yeah, don't know uh, when Sunny uh, D came out. Uh, uh, Sunny D. Yeah. Unleash yeah, uh, the power of the sun! Or Celestia. What happens, though, is that this plot point is kind of brought up but it's really just forgotten about like almost immediately like uh and we'll get to that as it happens but you think that the fact that inframan could would be weak when he's not powered by the sun you think it would come more into play than it does in the actual movie yep yep so then we cut to a uh, family basically uh having a picnic by the research lab which is probably not the best place to have a picnic especially since you know that monsters are going to be attacking the area so the youngest daughter claims that she wants to be like uh, Inframan, and the older sister tells her about the morals of Inframan. And meanwhile, Inframan has so far uh, been around for about, I guess, a couple of hours at this point by the movie's runtime. So, yeah, I, I don't know how they know all this about Inframan right away, like almost immediately. At this so, point, I, I, I'm thinking they might have uh, intended this to be a series. I, I very well could see that. I definitely, definitely could see that. Also, so the, unless I'm mistaken, I think this is the same family from the beginning of the movie. It very well could be, huh? Well I, could I do be, not yeah. think of that. They may have already known about Inframan. Who knows? Very well could <clears> be. <throat> I, I did not consider that. But uh, yeah, again, it could have been edited out of order, thinking about it. Like, very well could have been as well. It's like Dracula, if we're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, it very, very well could have been. So what happens is the brother jumps out and he scares the younger sister. And it's here that we get a very, very strange thing with the movie, with the subtitles from here on in. Up until this point, the subtitles have been fairly, you know, decent. They've been, you know, pretty much generic subtitles. I don't know what happened, but it's from this point in, the subtitles become filthy as hell. Because at huh. this part, the... uh the older brother says, oh, you're chicken shit, you're chicken shit. And the little Bruh. girl, who is no older than, like, six or seven years old, is repeatedly saying, fuck you, over and over. Okay. Again, according to the subtitles of this movie. I mean, I don't know. This is like the all-according-to-Keikaku kind of thing, you know? <laughs> the subtitles decided, oh, this is boring. Let's spice it up a little. Because I, I highly doubt. Vulgarity, I, bro. I, I, I'm guessing where the real shit's at. I'm guessing the translator just gave up. I think so yes. too. I think so too. I think it was like the translator was like, "Well, I don't care. Well, I'm just gonna do whatever I want. I'm gonna put so many swear words in." And from this point on, there is so much swearing in the dialogue where I don't think it would fit at all. Yep. Even in China, I don't think it would fit. No, no, definitely not. Not in Hong Kong either. It's just not at that time period. So what happens is they chase each other around before uh, before they find a mysterious cave. The older brother notes that there's a monster in there, and he goes up to investigate. Inside the cave, a mutant drill and Zhu show up with dynamite to blow up the power room. The brother sees them and hides. He's trying not to be uh, trying not to be seen by them. A lizard uh, lands on his head, and he shakes it off. 
but that it causes a mutant drill to find him. The older Neither. sisters, yeah, yeah. The older Neither. sister decides to go in, and it's here where we get uh, number two of the uh, weird subtitle thing, where the little girl says, "Then go ahead, you crazy bitch." Again, this is a a girl no older than seven years old is saying this. Yep. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the, whoever did the subtitles for this movie definitely, uh, or this copy anyway, definitely uh, took some creative liberties with the dialogue. Only so, yeah. China. Yep. So the older sister, she goes in. She finds her brother tied up. She goes to rescue him before being captured by a mutant drill. Uh, Zhu uh, ties them up, and they're to be blown up along with the building. Uh, Rayma shows up, and he asks why the youngest uh, girl is so upset. He does some acrobatic flips from her for her, which uh, really it was the actor doing it. So you know, major props to him. And she tells him about the cave as Rayma enters it to find them tied up as well as dynamite about to go off. He transforms into Inframan and he just flies out of the room and throws the dynamite into the distance. Uh, one thing that's interesting is that we then cut back to a mutant drill at Princess Dragon Mom's lair. And it's here where he tries to tell her about Inframan. But it's here where we get a bit of villain stupidity because she could go and she probably kidnap Inframan right now. But she says, no, I must kidnap the Professor Liu first. And it's like, yeah, but you could get Inframan. You could defeat him right then and there. Indeed. It's the selective intelligence of villains. Yes, exactly, exactly. So uh, what happens is uh, Inframan and the Professor are making his Thunderbolt fists that can produce lasers that can destroy anything. They also have laser blades that could cut monsters into pieces. And it's here that Inframan is now ready to take on the, uh, the le- basically Princess Dragon Mom and the rest of her monsters, and he heads to his study. It's here that we get a pretty sweet, uh, almost slice-of-life uh, part where his daughter arrives, and she notes that he's been overworking himself, but he has to do it for the good and the safety of the world. It's a really, really sweet scene as he tells his daughter, May, about the day she was born and about uh, how after he's done with all this, he will finally make time for her. It's a scene that, again, could feel like padding, but there's something about the actors and the way that they sell this, uh, the dialogue. Even if you don't know the language, there's something about the way they interact. It feels so yeah. natural. So basically uh, what happens is uh, May stays behind to read until the lights go out and Mutant Drill kidnaps her. Meanwhile, and then uh, Professor Liu is making plans for their assault on Mount Devil. He tries to contact his daughter, but Princess Dragon Mom contacts him first, and she says that she has May as a hostage. She claims that she'll kill May unless he comes uh, tomorrow alone. Rayma basically wants to join him, but he cannot for the safety of his daughter. Professor Liu claims that if anything happens to him, Rayma is to basically defeat Princess Dragon Mom. And it's here where we get number three on the bizarre, uh, vulgar subtitles, because the subtitles claim that, you know, you know, uh, Rayma, fuck that bitch up. And it's like, whoa, whoa, okay, I did not expect this to turn to Tarantino dialogue all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is definitely, definitely something that was added by the subtitler. You know, that definitely could not have been the original dialogue. Yeah, no, it's impossible for it to be the original dialogue. Yeah, yeah. But then we uh, cut to the following day as we see Professor... We see another really inherently comical scene. Professor Liu is in a speedboat 
flanked by both the Skeleton Man and and Mutant Drill. And he is so casual about it. Like, he adjusts his tie and everything. It's honestly really, really funny. Like, I'm surprised it's not a meme. If it's not, it should be, because it is hilarious. Just the fact that it's like... Exactly. (laughs) It's this, like, stoic business-looking man alongside, like, these two ridiculous monsters, and no one notices, like, the inherent uh, ridiculousness of it. And that's to this movie's benefit, that they play this all completely seriously. Like, if at once they tried winking to the audience or, like, leaning into the silliness, it would not have worked. This is something that you have to take dead seriously for it to be more fun, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, you say it's taking itself seriously. You're you're underselling it a little bit because I swear to God, the music that they play during this scene sounds like it could have been from Love Boat. <laughs> Very well. Yeah, been. yeah, oh, that's a love boat. Oh yeah, that would have been we'll be crossover. another run. Oh man, that would have been oh, man. Gene Wilder singing that is just hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. That definitely would have been a. Uh, a uh, very interesting crossover. We got to see yeah. Princess Dragon Mom on the love boat. Or on airplane, too. That, too. that, too. But regardless, we get to see uh, the professor escort into the lair. And a shot that really shows off the excellent set design because it slowly pans out through it, through every, like, uh, nook and cranny. And you really get an appreciation just for how good this movie looks. But yeah. when he arrives, he demands to see his daughter, and Princess Dragon Mom allows him to by teleporting his daughter there. She then claims that uh, the professor loves his daughter and will do anything for her. She then calls uh, Zhu over, and it's here she uses her electrified whip to get rid of him. And how she does this is a pit of lava opens above the floor, and she just drops him in. And this is extremely extremely dark for what up to this point was a relatively light-hearted movie it's like this poor guy was completely brainwashed into doing their bidding and then he was horribly killed uh before their eyes by basically yeah. falling in a pit of lava especially again for this type of movie you know it's something that comes completely out of nowhere and it's at odds with the rest of the tone of the entire movie yeah, oh, yeah. it's just sort of nowhere yeah yeah exactly so she then claims that uh, the professor has to work for her forever if he wants to keep her if uh he wants to keep his daughter alive and professor doesn't give in he claims that inframan will stop her she laughs at him and claims that she knows his weakness on the blueprints her plan is to block out the sun thereby making inframan powerless she then sends out mutant drill and another uh, one of her monsters fire dragon who looks like a an eastern dragon basically how you would expect an eastern dragon to look but he has a mustache and the mustache appears to be made of fire that uh. is the, both the most ridiculous and the coolest thing i think i could ever think of <laughs> a mustache Wait, made sure of fire not just flesh whiskers yeah i can i can see that yeah yeah they, they could they were yeah you might be right about that who knows yeah we'll have to wait and see about it but anyway uh it's here that uh that uh, Rayma shows up because evidently he did not listen to the professor. He fights some skeleton guards before Mutant Drill shows up and engages him in hand-to-drill combat. Ha ha ha. Yeah. So some of the other scientists are there as well, and it's here where we get something, again, so out of left field that I actually had to laugh. Like, you're thinking, oh, how are they going to fight the skeleton men? They just whip out a bunch of guns and shoot them dead. It's like something that's like, it's almost an anti-climax for that part of it. 
you know, it's like the skeleton men are approaching with their swords, and they just like whip out a bunch of pistols and just shoot them down. Are we going to kill? Skeleton. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the the scientists uh, continue to fight the skeleton men. This time with a hand to hand combat, while mutant drill defeats several of the uh, scientists. We then get another really, really cool stunt here where Rayma rides his motorcycle and he crashes it into Mutant Drill's chest. I don't know who the guy in the Mutant Drill costume suit was, but it looked like he got an actual motorcycle hitting his chest. So I hope that oh, suit is well padded because that, that is nuts, you know? Yeah, so, it's nuts. All things considered. So basically, this uh, stuns uh, Mutant Drill before he tries running another way. Fire Dragon appears and tries to stop him by breathing fire. And it's here I also give uh, the actor playing Rayma credit. He had to do stunt flips while having open flames thrown at him. Which, again, is not the uh, craziest stunt that an actor in uh, these type of movies would have to do. But it is probably up there. Because this guy has to like do like, backflips away while fire is going off all around him. Oh, yeah, that is definitely yeah. something. Yeah, it really, really is cool. So uh, Rayma then uh, uh, manages to get to another area, only for both Mutant Drill and Fire Dragon to attack him. Uh, he ends up transforming into Inframan to battle them both. He uses a Sunbeam on Fire Dragon, but Princess Dragon Mom blocks out the sun with clouds. And it's here where we get to the point where I said earlier, because seemingly Inframan is supposed to be weakened. But he isn't at all. He, he is just as strong as he was with the, without the sun than he is with the sun. Because he, he manages to uh, kill uh, Mutant Drill with his Thunder Kick, which causes uh, Mutant Drill to explode. Several of the skeleton men try to swarm Inframan. Fire Dragon uh, turns invisible, but Inframan spots him and he causes him to explode as well by using his laser. And again, they talked up that without the power of the sun, Inframan is helpless. And it's like... He's far from it. He and if anything, he's more capable than ever. Oh hell yeah! Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's so like sun- without your signature crouching kick, you are powerless to stop me. That all of a sudden, that freaking car just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, Inframan then uh, runs into the lair, only to be caught by a force field. Inframan is uh, thrown into the same pit of lava that uh, Zhu was thrown in. But he doesn't fall in by hanging on to a rock. Princess Dragon Mom says that uh, Inframan will be killed, and she demands that the professor makes uh, Inframan for her to serve as her army. Liu claims that he'll never make weapons for her, which causes uh, Princess Dragon Mom to trap them into a prison that basically will freeze them to death over the course of two days. Which is like, okay, why does it have to take two days? Why couldn't it just be in like you know thirty minutes or something like that? It's kind of an arbitrary uh, time. It is. Kind of. But. So, uh, yep, Inframan <sighs> then leaps out of the pit, and uh, he does battle with the skeleton men, killing several of them. He then destroys the uh, console that uh, Princess Dragon Mom was using to uh, control her various machines and that. Witch Eye attempts to blast him with a laser, and Inframan uh, basically destroys the laser easily. And, the, like I said, the stunt work, especially in this finale, is incredible. You have all of these guys moving at once, like, all doing so many different types of fight choreography in one single shot. It is it is mind-blowing just how yeah. good, like I said, this part of the movie is. 
So uh, what happens next is uh, Inframan uses his beam to cut off Witch Eyes' hands and he kicks her into the pit. He then sees where uh, Professor Liu and uh, Mei are being held and he busts into the prison. Uh, we then get to see uh, Princess Dragon Mom's two remaining henchmen, which are the uh, Iron Monsters. They're the uh, basic, the, the uh, robot-type monsters with the uh, spring mace hands. And there's an amusing bit, and here's one that is intentionally amusing, I believe, where Inframan keeps kicking one down, and it just keeps popping back up. And oh, again, yeah, it's a funny I remember bit. that. That was funny. Yeah. It's uh, like, he what? Yeah, it just keeps... Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> he then attempts to use his thunder kick on them, but Princess Dragon Mom shows up in her dragonist form. She then reveals her skeleton army. He then fights the skeletons, the iron monsters, and Princess Dragon Mom herself. There's a weird uh, sound effect here, because when uh, Princess Dragon Mom leaps over uh, Inframan, there's a cartoon whistle. Like a like a slide whistle, and it's very very weird. It's probably the Apparently. second weirdest slide whistle used in a badass stunt. After, of course, the man with the golden gun. They have the uh, corkscrew scene where they have a slide whistle play. Uh, but enough of that little tangent. She then realizes that Inframan is uh, impervious to all elements except ice, and she uh, has him frozen solid. She then uses his electrified whip to stun him, then orders her skeletons to bury him inside a glacier so he could never get out. And it's here you think, oh man, Inframan is done for. How's he going to get out of this? And it's here we get like a, a really, really almost arbitrary deus ex machina that comes out of nowhere. It's revealed now. All of a sudden, Inframan can use fire bombs to basically thaw himself out if he ever needed the chance. Which, okay... Is they play it like it's a flashback of the professor telling him this earlier, even though this has never been shown. Like the professor. Before. Exactly. Exactly. That, that is exactly right. But yeah, he then frees himself. He continues the fight. He kills the uh, remaining skeleton men. He basically kills the two iron monsters by having them smack each other with their spring maces. And it's here we get a really, really cool uh, effect. They dissolve into nothing in a bit of animation. And oh, again, yeah. it's like it's like oh, yeah, they're rotoscoped that. over it, but it looks really, really cool. It's an effect they use only once, but I'm glad they did. So uh, Princess Dragon Mom then realizes she has to fight Inframan herself in her true form. And one fun detail, and I always like when Dragonesses do this, it's going to definitely affect her uh, Dragonist scale score. One fun detail is that she still has her laugh while in her Dragonist form. The two battle for a while, and then Inframan uses his laser beam to cut off her head. Now, it's here we get something that I think is kind of silly at the same time, but it makes it's sense. It's a little, little bit of comedy for the kids, I'm guessing. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. She instantly regrows her head after he cuts it off. Inframan does this again. Princess Dragomon regrows her head. This happens five, maybe six times in a row. Oh yeah! But, like they repeat this so Padding. much, it's like it becomes it becomes silly, and then it becomes like you know, oh come on, and then it loops right back around to being funny again. But yeah, then of course, like, nope, 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 yeah. nope, nope, yeah. and then he just uses a thunder <laughs> <Exactly>. fist gloves. <laughs> yep, he uses he uses his uh, thunderbolt fist. They slam into Princess Dragon Mom, and it kills her in uh, flashing lights and that. Yep. And then uh, now that she's dead. Apparently, the base starts to self-destruct like they do in all these type of movies. 
Inframan freezes the professor and May, and then they all manage to escape just in the nick of time. The base uh, crumbles back down into the earth, and the movie itself ends with all of them leaving on a boat, and the older sister says, as long as Inframan is here, we shall all be safe. And, and yeah, that's basically the end of the movie. Uh, Super Inframan did extremely well in Hong Kong. It was a huge, huge hit. But the interesting thing, it did pretty decent business in the West as well. It actually got a worldwide uh, pretty big release, and it actually got a, a good reviews too. Roger Ebert claimed a light will go out in the world when they stop making movies like Super Inframan, and he gave it three out of four stars. I can absolutely see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, describe because... this movie. I need an entire bottle of wine to to handle all of the delicious cheese this movie gave. Yeah, it is that <laughs> exactly exactly of of cheesy goodness that people just love to watch and turn their brains off to. Exactly, it's like, exactly. It's yeah. the type of thing I enjoy. Like, I've watched a lot of Sentai series, and it just. I enjoyed it that much. Oh, definitely, definitely. It is it is an all it is a really, really fun movie. And a sequel was apparently in the works. Now the interesting thing about this is it would have had a Western uh infra woman in it. I don't know oh, if man. it was gonna have like an entirely Western cast or if it was gonna be made in like half in Hong Kong, half in the in the, the United States or something, but it would have been interesting, but it never got made. The other thing yep. that was interesting Apparently, at one point, a remake was announced, which I don't know how that would have been. Because on one hand, if it was still made in Hong Kong and it was still made with the uh, fight choreography and the effects, it would be really cool. But I feel like there would also be something that would be missing if they just had all the monsters done in CGI. There's something about them all being practical effects, like they're actual guys in suits that are getting like beaten up and there's actual explosions and whatnot. You know... It's something about it being real that makes it a lot more fun. The way that I would describe that is the same way that I've uh, described why there's a lot of like 90s animes that I don't want to see remade. It's the jank in those that really helps make them what they were. And you it made it enjoyable. Clean, exactly. It'll lose itself. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, regardless, Super Inframan, it might not be traditionally a good movie, but it's a fun time. Like I, say, like I said at the beginning of the episode, it's one that is well, well seeking out. It is, it is, like I say, and it, we just have described only scratched the surface of uh, the movie in general. Even though we did like a plot summary of it, you still have to see a lot of this to believe it, just to actually see. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, how this comes out. But that ties into the uh, question of the week, which is, what is the weirdest movie that you have ever seen? I'm going to go first. And the straightest movie I've ever seen was actually one that uh watched a couple of years ago, or last year, actually. It's a movie with a little unwieldy title, The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. I remember what that movie. movie. Yep. What this movie is, it's mostly footage of a carnival like actual like home movies of a carnival in the 1960s uh, spliced in with a story of a man being hypnotized by a fortune teller to become a brainwashed killer. And then uh, she has other brainwashed killers who are scarred with acid and that. And by that itself, it's not weird. What's weird about this movie is how wrong it feels. 
This is a movie that it has bad print, it has bad sound, it feels like any second it's going to turn into like a snuff film or something like that. It feels like a movie that should not exist. It's creepy in ways that the director did not intend it to. By the way, the director was also the star of the movie, so yeah. Because of course. Yeah, but I'm just exactly. saying it's so like wrong in a way. It feels like it comes from some alternate parallel parallel nightmarish dimension where like up is down and this movie like swept the Academy Awards that year or something like that. It That's just Yeah. It just feels wrong. It doesn't feel like like it belongs in this universe even. Because it just has so many weird choices with the uh the nightmare sequence with the uh with the uh, weird uh, servant uh, of the fortune teller named Ortega, you must serve, madam. Stuff like that. It has like these uh, burlesque dance sequences that make up the bulk of the movie, and it is just again a movie that is inexplicable. It's it's uh, probably readily available online, and it's not a good movie. It definitely is not a good movie. But it, it, it's not a bad, bad movie. bad movie because it is just so bizarre, so wrong. It feels like everything that they tell you what to do when making a movie, this movie did the opposite. Like you could show this movie in film schools as what not to do with your movie. And yet, despite that, it was apparently a financial success. Bizarrely enough, because oh. it probably had such a tiny, tiny budget. It played on the drive-in circuit, and it played on the uh, drive-ins, and it made a huge profit because of it. And this bizarre, inexplicable movie, that that is my pick. Uh, and like I say, uh, it's also was released on the titles uh, The Incredibly Strange Creatures, and it has, excuse me, it's one of those movies that got released with like 50 different titles as well. Indeed. I'm back. So yeah, that's uh, going to be my pick for my... Uh, Strangest movie that I've ever seen. So, Andrew, what would you have to say? Uh, I would say that, but the problem is I followed that a little more than this one. Um, oh gosh, honestly, like a lot of movies I can more or less follow. I can just lean into the madness and be like, okay. So, it's honestly going to be a little tricky finding an absolutely weird movie. Um, oh gosh, what's a good weird movie? I might have to ultimately say, if I can remember it. I kind of want to have to say, uh, oh, what's the term? Oh yeah, uh, The Innkeeper? No, that doesn't sound right. It's the film that had Antonio Banderas, had the witches, it had uh, just the it just the guy watching over the hotel and with them and the freaking room. Like it's bizarre. It's sort of a slice of life sort of thing. And like, uh, sorry, what? War rooms. I think that's the. I think that's the name of it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it had Antonio Banderas in it. It was pretty dang bizarre, but in a very enjoyable way and in a way I could follow. So, uh, I am gonna, well, actually, no. 
I'm going to say uh, Village of the Giants was a pretty Ooh, weird one. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't, I could follow it more or less, and it was actually pretty enjoyable, but just, like, it goes from, like, a couple teens coming into town to all of a sudden them, like, uh, getting a giant serum, and then all of a sudden it's just, like, it's just bizarre. Sixties were bizarre in general, but just, oh, man. Yeah, I definitely, definitely can see that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Actually... Actually, actually, you know what? I kind of didn't want to have to say this, but yeah, I will have to go with Princess and the Dragon. Just like I could follow it more or less, but just half the stuff in that movie, man, it was weird. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, that that's a really good choice right there. So, um, Striker, what do you have to say is the uh, strangest movie that you've seen? Most of the strange movies I've seen are actually short films I watched on YouTube. Oh, I know exactly mm-hmm. what you mean. Yep. <laughs> like what? Um, the one, the strangest one I've seen is actually called D for D, D Laos. Oh. Which is a claymation film, actually. Oh, that's nice. I think that was part of the uh, that uh, anthology thing, the ABCs of Death. Oh, it might have been. I don't yeah. know anything about that, but like, I know From it. From what like, the title is, it sounds like that. Yeah, it was freaking lovely. It may have been. Yeah. I just know that it was one of the weirder movies I ever saw, and it just, I'm just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. definitely, uh, I definitely can imagine it. Um, it almost reminded me of uh, the uh, music video for Tools Sober at times. Ooh, oh, yeah, like, I know what you're talking about. I just I mean, know that, like, since I'm a horror fan, I, en- I did enjoy it, though. But I could barely understand what was happening. Yeah. It was silent throughout, except for ambiance, of course. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. It was just, yeah, you'd have to check it out. It's hard to explain. I think I know yeah. what you mean. I could be wrong. Almost like with uh, the human hand, I believe it was called. Uh. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Yep. So, uh, Math, what would you have to say is the uh, strangest movie that you've seen? Oh, there's a lot of movies that uh, you can go with for animation. Um, I'm going to give us a couple of shout-outs to some really weird ones. Uh, the Bulgarian Treasure Planet is a good starter, if you just want really <laughs> off-wall weird. Well, you the mean like the ones where the English dub had uh, Brian Cranston? Yes. And the one where they're like doing the Oh, man. I love Josh. These two, but these are extremely lesser known movies. Like, I might be the only person that's ever even heard of these. The Adventures of American Rabbit and Sebastian Starbear First Mission. They are wild movies. I may have heard of them. I'm not sure. Uh, But the one that I've ultimately gone with is. And this is very beginner friendly for weird animated movies because people have actually probably heard of it. 
the princess and oh, the okay. goblin. It's a Hungarian movie. It's based off of a mid 1800s uh, fairy tale book, and it is a bit odd in how it's done. It starts out with what looks like pretty good animation, and then just as the movie goes on, you can tell they ran out of budget because the quality devolves over time. The they know like the princess and the dragon, except that one's a little more scattered. Right. <laughs> the plot is kind of nonsensical. It's very weird. It's a lot of shit just happens. Not even in the fairy tale way. Just like we have no way to make a plot of this, so here's stuff. And exactly. I don't know just fucking put this yeah. up here. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's it did get a wide release somehow, but it failed miserably. I'll uh, bet. This this movie is uh, known for an interesting animation fact. Uh the uh the guy who played the main villain in this, Rick Mayel, was actually supposed to be Moan from The Lion King, but he turned that role down to play the villain in this movie. Oops. Huh. Uh. Ouch, 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 ouch. That, uh, not the best decision right there, evidently. Yeah, that, that's one of those kind of things that, uh, you don't see coming. It's like, oh, hey, you're going to have a bigger part in this if you're in this movie. Okay, I'll do that. Oh, turns Girl. out. Yeah. Not only did this movie fail, <laughs> it sent it to die because it released the same month as Lion King. Oh, ouch, ouch, ouch. Oof. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, no, no, that it it didn't even send a chance then. Wow. The one saving grace this movie has, I will say, all yeah. of the backgrounds are this uh, hand drawn watercolor painted uh, style of background, and they stay beautiful throughout the entire movie. Like every time you're looking at a background, it is looking at a work of art, and that is the saving grace of this. Weird fact. Yeah. I can definitely, definitely see that. Yeah. I, I, I really want to check that out because it is uh, really is something else. It's free up on YouTube. It's been there for 10 years. They have the full wow. movie because the distributor shortly after this movie came out went out of business. It got bought up by someone else. And because this movie made basically nothing, they do not give a fuck. Yeah, I I definitely definitely uh, I could see that. There's been a lot of movies like that, especially ones that we talked about on the podcast and we'll do in the future. But that definitely sounds like a really interesting thing. I'm definitely gonna check that. Out. Uh, Jordan, uh, I'm here. So, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, uh, what one would you pick uh, as the strangest movie that you've seen? Uh, I th there are just so many that I can't keep. Like, I've seen some that are like. The troll, the prince and the troll, and I'm like, or the goblin. I'm like, okay, that one's weird, but someone already pointed that out. I'm like, oh god, there's too many of I've seen. I don't remember all the titles and the description. I'm like, that was weird. I think the weird one would be for me would be the flight of dragons. I seen the artwork. Oh my it god, belongs... I didn't know that one. Yeah, it belongs in so many cool references, like of movies for dragon lovers, like all of us here. 
but it started off like it belonged in the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon reference drawings. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it looks so much different, but it's cool because it's just tell it's it's just weird. It started off weird for me when I'm like, okay, what am I looking at? Why are we now going to a Dungeons and Dragons kind of look feel? And I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. But then the main character just loses me. I'm like, you are a dragon, good sir. Why are you questioning every little dang detail? The green one. You're just losing me. Yes, but the guy who kind of took Gorbash's body is just like confused. Like, you're a dragon. What's there to know about? How to breathe fire and flight. Indeed. You're the concept for me here, dude. But it's... Yeah. It, it's weird but cute at the same time and you fully understand like what it is to be a dragon in a way i'm like indeed okay yeah. you have, you have yeah. i still need to see that movie. movie i'm not gonna lie i may have only seen clips of it but it was it was I, fun I've some pieces of it too and it yes. is it is definitely a very unusual movie yeah so yes. um and oops sorry that's okay, that's okay. hey go right ahead yep. so, uh I, it just seems to me like dragons have to use these weird breathing ability, but when you have wings on your back, but it also makes sense. So it's kind of a little weird for me. I'm like, yeah, they use science to explain a lot yeah, of things. That's in the movie. what they also use science to, to defeat me. the villain. Yeah, yeah, Dude, yeah. Using it's like yeah, it's like Ishigami Senku kind yeah. of. Yeah, that's what made it <laughs> exactly. weird. But I liked it, and I think everyone else should watch it too. Yeah, I'll definitely go yeah. to watch it at some point when I'm same, same. when work yeah, is exactly a long time me. ago. I'll definitely yep. have to check it out again too. Yep. So, uh, so uh, Evie, what would you have to say is the uh, strangest animated movie that you have seen? I'm honestly not sure. Uh, any Pokemon movie that was more bizarre than usual? Yeah, the only the only real bizarre movies I saw are, like secondhand movies. Oh, good. Uh, understandable. Reviews. Yeah, for me, reviews and stuff. Mm, I see. Yep, that's good. So, um, also, yeah. uh, our special guest for the episode who uh, joined while we were uh, recording, uh, Python. What is your uh, strangest animated movie that you have seen? Uh, okay, I have two. The first uh, one doesn't have to be anime; it can be live action too. Yeah, could anime, mm-hmm. live action, go go nuts. Anything, anything. The first one may be very vanilla by your guys' standards, but mm. Quest for Camelot. Okay. Yeah, that's understandable. I'll bet. I mean, it's pretty. Uh, t- it's understandable. It's pretty tame, honestly. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I actually do remember Quest for Camelot. Yeah, Quest for Camelot. And the second it's about one? a girl trying to. No, there's only, yeah. only one Quest for Camelot. It's about a girl trying to. Be into a, get into a night, and she finds a stable man who's blind, it's and blind. tries to find the sword of Excalib- uh, Excalibur back to King Arthur. It all yeah. so Urkel Lauren and, Faust uh, those, on it. and yeah. those two-headed dragon. Oh, wait, who worked on it? Lauren Faust. Lauren Faust was an animator on it. Oh, then. Yep. Yeah. I actually really like the two-headed dragon. A lot of yeah, people yeah, like they have one. a fun design. A lot of people hated them. I'm just like. I, I didn't hate them. They're about. fun. I never yeah, hated them. They were funny and corny. Like they, yeah. a lot of people thought they were terrifying. I'm just like, they're funny. Yeah, I oh. like them. 
Yeah. How did you hate them? Like, what the heck? Like, what the heck, man? Like, what the heck, man? Fuck you, listen to me, man! Let me let someone try to do a full cosplay of uh, Cornwall and his brother in a theme park. I mean, Six Flags had the rights to him one time, like years ago, in Six Flags. They had a oh, show man. of the quest for Camelot. Oh shit! Hell you yeah! Find on YouTube. Wow, wow. You can find it on YouTube. It's not a full good thing, but the video is not a good quality. But you can see like only two characters: the main character and uh, the the stable guy who is blind. You only see a pictures of like videos of oh. them like singing their songs, and that's it. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Well, that's a good. Yeah. Uh, so the second the second one is a bit newer. Okay. Of a movie, but I actually enjoyed it a lot. Okay. Yeah. Called Seal Team. Oh. Seal Team. Never heard of it. Never remember that. Same, same. Okay, it, it's a Netflix animated movie. Yep. Okay, think of the term Seal Team, but taken literally. Oh, oh wait, I think no. I know what you're talking this is about. Interesting. All right. I think wow. I know what you're talking it's about. I could be wrong. Uh, they they basically fight a bunch of sharks trying to terrorize their little yeah. seal community or some shit. But huh. like, uh, it's so weird, but I love it. Sounds it really unique. Be a seal team, Sounds very unique. Movie, but they turned into an animated movie and made huh. them actual seals. Huh? Yeah. I'll bet. Well, that's one way of doing it. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway. So now it is time for the uh, patent-pending uh, Dragonist scale. Oh, and we're going to rank uh, Princess Dragomon this week. I am going to give her a very high score this week. I can't, in all good conscience, give her a 10, sadly, because her actual Indeed. Dragonist form is not on the screen uh, enough. However, I am going to go one lower, and I'm going to give her a 9 out of 10. The reason I'm doing this is because I really feel that the dragon design, okay, it's not the most appealing visually uh, dragonist design, but it is unique enough. It's a lot of fun. You can tell that they had a lot of fun making it. The actress, uh, she, she was having a ball playing uh, Princess Dragon Mom. The fact that her human, quote-unquote human form, even though we're pretty sure she's not supposed to be human, but her, uh, let's do it this way, the form with the human face, still has a lot of dragonist elements as a big uh, boon. And just the fact that, you know, she still is herself as the dragonist. She hasn't just transformed into like some generic monster or that. She actually is still is the character that she is. And really, just her whole demeanor is, she, she is a lot of fun. It's a shame that, again, we never got a sequel, we never got a follow-up where we could have had more of her because that would have been a lot of fun. Indeed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll be back in so, two minutes. Uh, All right. So, uh, and so, uh, Angra, what do you have to give her? Oh boy, I am probably gonna have to give her a little lower of a score. Not too much, but I might have to give her a seven out of ten. Not that okay. she's a bad character; she's pretty effective as a villainess, in spite of her, in spite of the whole anime overseas stupidity. Yep. That being said, however, I do agree that the dragon design has not appeared all that much, and like mm-hmm. the human design isn't 
bad, but it's not that great either. Like I, like I when I first saw it, I kind of thought she was like a a Western uh, woman doing the voice, which is like, wow, that's interesting. But nope, it is not the no. case. And as for and as for her overall design and the dragon design. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a step up from uh, what? It's a step up from Gilgamesh or Gilgamesh uh, Gundamar. Yeah. But honestly, yeah, it's it's still pretty tame. And mainly, the big thing that lowers it is that this movie, it's all right. I really, I did have my fair share of fun with it at certain moments, but it was just. Uh, it would just it just wasn't my cup of tea. So yeah, I'm yeah. gonna give her a seven out of ten. She's not bad, but she could have been a little better. And so, in honest, all honesty, could have could the movie. Yeah. No, I, I get you. I get you. So, um, Striker, what would you have to give? Uh, what would um, you have to give? Uh, Princess Dragon Mom. I'll just go with eight. I thought she was a pretty awesome villain. Dang. I mean, sure, the dragon form was a little lackluster. But it didn't change the fact that I thought she was uh, very pretty. All right. I'll bet. Yeah, yeah, she definitely, <laughs> definitely is. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, what would you have to give her? I'm going to go with eight as well. Uh, loved her character. Like I said, she just channeled that Rita Repulsa energy so well. Yeah. Always okay, you know what? I'm actually going to change mine to screen. eight as well. Uh, Nice. Her human design was great. Loved the outfit and the stylization that went with her. The reason she's an eight, I actually did not like the the dragon form. It was to me the cheapest and the worst looking of all the outfits of all the monsters. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Other than that, great character. Okay. Yeah. I'm also going to give her an eight out of ten. Wow, so that's three eight out of tens. Wow. Nice. Okay. Yep, it's good. So, um, Jordan, what would you have to give her? Same thing as everyone else has given her. Her costume, hey. it looks like almost close to Radon's kind of like design a little bit, but and also uh, Gidon or uh, Guy uh... Ghidorah. No, not Ghidorah. It's that freaking. Uh bird thing that's basically oh, uh the female Ghidorah from uh Gamera. Oh, I get you. But yeah, I'm gonna give her what yeah. everyone else has given her. Her her human slash mutant side, I guess. She looks badass as fuck. I'll give her that. Oh yeah. Uh, she has that repulse repul- Rita Repulsa attitude. I like Absolutely. it. It just maybe don't give her glittery wings, people. It's just yeah. Her. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't hate the glittery ring. The suit was all right for what it was, but yeah. Yep, I definitely can see that. So, um, Evie, what would you have to give her? I can't have a picture with dragon in this form at all. Um, Sorry, he what? Sh- he says oh. that he... Uh, Okay, so uh, would you give her uh, anything like a one out of like a just rate it down for like a NA or yeah NA. All right, fine. Okay. And um, Python has unfortunately left, so we'll. Uh, Pretty be back in like in ten minutes or something, or. All right. All right. Well. Uh, all right. 
Well, uh, that's going to be it for this week. If you have any questions, or if you'd like to send us your fan art of uh, Princess Dragon Mom, you can feel free to email us at fireydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash uh, or, uh, sorry, don't just there, or uh, email us at fireydiscourse uh, at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fireydiscourse. Next yep. year begins the uh, Year of the Dragon, and to celebrate, we're going to be discussing something that uh, is tangibly related to it. Because it has a dra- uh, woman transforming into a dragoness during uh, Chinese New Year. So we're going to be talking about the 2022 animated movie Minions The Rise of Gru. Hey. Do- hey. I do not know if we'll be wearing business suits to record this episode. Oh uh-huh. my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, going to be it for that's uh, going to be it for this week. And thank you guys so much for listening. And until then, uh, take care. Yep, laters. Adios. 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 Adios.